and end in light. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades by Calchexis Read by Sam Gabriel Based on League of Legends by Riot Games Chapter 4 Yosef, what are you doing? Yosef Marin looked up from where he'd been leaning against the rail of the Parnias' starboard side, and at the same time quickly tucking away the flask he'd been nipping from. It wasn't that the bosun would admonish him for drinking, far from it he'd ask for a nip of it himself. The problem was that he'd recognized the taste of the Noxian brandy that Yosef had picked up in the Piltoven market when they'd be laid over because of that stupid street bombing, and then he'd have a whole different set of problems. There's watching the clouds pass, sir, Yosef said as the bosun stepped up beside him. Not much else to do till sunup. Suppose not, the bosun mused. Bosun Raglan was a decent enough fellow, still on the more youthful side of middle age, but not by much. Most people thought he was older than he was, partially because he had some early silver in his hair and partially because of his attitude. He acted ten years older than he was and had for as long as Yosef had known him. He had no real complaints about Raglan, though. He was a hard fellow, but an honest one, and never shirked his duty. A good true-born son of Damasia, like most of the crew. Arlen reported some damage to the hull on here, did you hear? Raglan said conversationally. Yosef shook his head. So serious, is it? What happened? No idea, but no, it's not, Raglan replied. Just some scratches and divots. I went down the side with him to take a look myself, and void take me if I can tell what did it. Captain ain't gonna be happy, Yosef crumpled. Captain ain't in the business of being happy, Raglan said. She's gonna want answers, though. And I'm driving. Sighing, Yosef scratched at his thinning black hair and said, I think we can fix it on the move before we dock in Silvermere and she notices. Ragwin chuckled. Ah, that's what I'm up in for. You willing to start early tomorrow? Better than getting another tongue lashing from the captain. I'm into that. The bosun clapped a hand on Yosef's back before turning and walking away and Yosef leaned back against the railing as he weighed the decision of polishing off the contents of his flask, or just heading to his bunk, since he'd be up and in a harness by dawn patching those damn scratches. What in the void could have... A dull thud came from behind him, and Yosef looked back over his shoulder. He narrowed his eyes in the dark, then stood up sharply as he recognized the shape of the bosun sprawled out on the deck. There was something dark and wet leaking out from under him. An accident? No, there would have been a sound, right? He would have cried out. That meant an attack. A pain and a feeling like ice pierced Yosef's back, and his wounds died, choking on the blood that welled up from his throat. He couldn't breathe. He twisted his head back and looked behind himself and down. Eyes that burned with chemical fire met his, and he saw the flash of a rictus grin for a brief moment, before everything went black. Jinx rolled her shoulders and heaved the second of the two off of the edge of the Parnaeus. Clinging to the side of the ship for the first day of travel hadn't been her favorite thing she'd ever done, but it had worked. Too bad that overachiever had noticed her tracks, but on the upside, he wouldn't be noticing much of anything anymore. Neither would the other two. The ship itself wasn't large enough to warrant a large crew, just fifteen, and she had already accounted for twelve of them. 
It was a little earlier than she'd planned, but it wasn't a big deal. She didn't need a pilot. Any monkey could drive a Damasian airship. They were made with baby controls. Damasians weren't big on flying, and their training was all but non-existent. Everything was stripped down bare basics, but it also meant you couldn't do anything interesting in the ship, like a barrel roll or a death spiral. Or at least you couldn't do it more than once. Wiping her blade in her pants, Jink sheathed it, unclipped Zapper's hip holster and loosened Pow Pow's strap. There weren't enough of them now to bother with stealth, so what was the point? Besides, she'd just spent that last day and a half getting intimate with a fucking airship hull. A good shootout would be the perfect way to shake off the stiff joints and warm up the old muscles. And then she'd sail right into Damasia, and she could ask Blondie that question. Hopefully she wouldn't be too mad about Jinx just turning up out of the blue. It was really important, though. She'd understand that. Lux always understood her. Always. The aerial sloop Iliamar cut through the skies away from Piltover towards Damasia, and at its prow, tapping her foot nervously as if leaning forward, could urge the swift vessel closer to the ancient and storied kingdom by force of will alone was Violet Kiriman. She hadn't gotten a wink of sleep last night, and neither had her wife. The hall had been in an uproar ever since the pair of them had discovered a piece of mail in the post sandwiched between some bills and an advert for sexual stamina. There was a postcard, the sort that could be found in any Piltoven market, which often featured vistas and landmarks both near and far. She herself had a few showing parts of Shirima and Ixtal, while Caitlin had a small collection of them, all of places in Ionia, where her father was from. The one that had been delivered to them, though, had shown no less than the Temple of the Protector in High Silvermere. Not exactly a tourist trap, but no one who visited Demacia left without at least visiting the place once. Vi had never been, but it was said to be unforgettable. The visit would certainly prove that out, but not for any of the right reasons. Vi turned the postcard over in her hand, scanning it for the millionth time. Was it real? Was it an attempt to send them scurrying around the breadth of Valoran? Vi didn't know, but she couldn't, in good conscience, not at least try to prevent the kind of irreparable damage this could cause, and Caitlin had agreed wholeheartedly. The gentle footsteps of her wife drew her attention away from the card, and Vi looked up with a grim expression. There's got to be a way to get word to him faster than just going there. I'm afraid not, Caitlin said. We've looked into it, and the fact is that Demacia is the least technologically advanced of all of the major nations. They simply don't have the infrastructure to support any kind of long-range missive. To my knowledge, only Piltover and Noxus have invested in that, and it's still a long way off from being commercially viable. Shit. Vi swore as she turned back around and stared out towards their destination. It's gotta be about the fight on the airship, she said. During the Noxus run, the two of them fought, and they never got to finish the fight. Not really. I bet anything Jinx is looking to square it away. Why, though? Caitlin asked. It's... even for her, that's extreme. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know her like I used to, Cupcake. Neither of us do. Vi crossed her arms and shivered. She's changed. Jinx had changed, ever since she had, apparently, gotten married. Vi couldn't even tell if that had made her more stable or less. It had certainly made her more dangerous, though. Jinx was taking risks she'd never taken before. She was punching higher and aiming for bigger targets. 
hell she'd made Ken barren if the rumors were true. If she hits Demacia the way she hit Noxus, our alliance would be in desperate straits, Kaywin said quietly, not to mention... Locks, Fi filled in. Yes, and for the record, I do agree with you, she said. As much of a reach as it is, there's no other reason for her to go to Demacia, no matter how irrational. Lox was instrumental in purging decades of financial and political corruption from Piltover over this year alone. We cannot let your sister hurt her. You know that, right? Vi worked her jaw several times, then sighed and nodded. Yeah, fuck, I know, I know. Lox ain't been nothing but good to us and to Piltover. We owe her better than to let Jinx blow a hole in her home. We do, Caitlin agreed. I don't suppose we can get this sloop moving any faster? Fi asked. I don't think so, Caitlin said. The captain is already pushing the red line as it is. Damn, should have dragged Pretty Boy along, Fi replied. Councillor Tallis, Caitlin enunciated with a wry smile, certainly has better things to do than act as our ship's engineer. Although I don't disagree, if we did have him, we'd likely be there half again as fast. Vi nodded. She and Jace had a complicated relationship, to say the least, but the one thing she'd always trusted was that, for better or worse, he always tried to have his heart in the right place. He wasn't a bad person, at least, just ignorant sometimes. Ignorant of the pain he and his city caused. He had rose-colored glasses on when it came to almost anything pilty, but lately she'd gotten the feeling that those glasses were slipping. Ever since Camille had started taking control, he'd become a lot warier. He'd even come to the mansion to personally apologize for what had happened with the enforcers being folded into the newly formed Piltoven military, despite it not even having an official name yet. I think he'd have said yes, Fi said quietly. Who, Chase? Caitlin asked, raising an eyebrow. You think? I think he's getting tired of politics, she replied. You saw him last time he visited. He didn't look so good. Caitlin pressed her lips to a thin line, then nodded and said, No, he didn't. He's seen the fruits of his labor be turned sour and rotten by someone who wants to exploit them. She turned to look out at the passing clouds. I'm afraid I know precisely how he feels. Truer words hadn't been spoken. Vi rolled her shoulders and winced as the strain pulled at the muscles. She hadn't been sleeping well. Neither had Caitlin. It was the stress. War was on the horizon, real war. The hawks on the council were itching for it, apparently, but it made Vi want to vomit. They couldn't even turn to the League to intervene this time. In a twist that no one had predicted, Zahn had withdrawn from the League of Legends. It was unprecedented. It was like the Undercity wanted a war, a war they had no hope of winning. Zahn was dangerous, sure, and it had numbers, but what it didn't have was supply lines. It didn't have trade. Zahn was basically contained inside of Piltover. It was penned in on all sides. All Piltover had to do was reinforce the sun gates and the surface access points with enough hardware, and Zahn would be eating itself inside of six months. Possibly literally. I'll speak to the captain and get an updated ETA, Caitlin said softly. No point, I said. 
We'll get there when we get there, and either it'll be too late or it won't, you know? This ship is faster than whatever Jinx is using via, guarantee it, Kiwan said. Vi looked down at the postcard in her hand. The image of the temple had been graffitied over with crude drawings of monkeys and caricatures of Jinx herself making rude gestures in neon pink and blue pen. Vi flipped it over and read the short message that was scribbled onto it in her sister's crabbed but familiar scrawl. Hello from sunny Silvermere. Wish you were here. Yeah, Vi said, lowering the card. Me too. Lux could bear this city no longer. She knew, objectively, that there was more she could do, more damage she could inflict. Reasonably speaking, though, it wasn't necessary. Her betrayal would never be seen coming because there was no reason for anyone to ever suspect her. She had played her cards perfectly, worn her masks flawlessly, and spent her entire life building up the goodwill that she was now spending like coin to purchase the blood of her nation. The sun was dawning on Demacia's last day of peace, and they didn't even know it. Lux did, though. So she savored the rising sun as it crested the green hills beyond Silvermere. She watched it from a comfortable chair on the balcony of her family's ancestral estate as she sipped extensive Ionian tea imported from Piltoven markets and nibbled on a sweet honey cake crusted with slices of exotic nuts from Ixtal. Truly, the amount of coin represented in what her family considered to be a simple breakfast was obscene. Good morning, Lux. Her tea suddenly tasted a touch more bitter than it had a moment ago as Lux grimaced, then sighed and said, Good morning, Mother. Did you sleep well? She asked as she moved up to one of the other chairs on the balcony near Lux and sat down. I slept, Lux replied. My training teaches me to sleep lightly and efficiently. Agatha turned to regard her daughter silently for a few moments before waving down the servant nearby to bring her breakfast. The servant, Rona, or maybe Rala, Lux couldn't be bothered to remember their faces anymore, returned a moment later and set the simple meal in front of the lady of the house. For a moment, Lux dared to hope that her mother would keep her peace and remain silent that maybe, just maybe, they would have a civil breakfast without any arguments, which by their standards meant neither of them speaking at all. But no, what surprised Lux, though, was the content of her mother's next words. When you were born, you were glowing, Agatha said. Lux looked up with a raised eyebrow. I'm surprised father didn't have me strangled with my own cord. You're too cruel to your father, Agatha replied. He was a hard man, but a good man. He knew what he was looking at just as I did. And he still loved you, just as I did. They both sipped at their tea, and for some reason it irritated Lux to realize that she held her teacup in exactly the same way as her mother. Deep down, she knew it was just because of the drilled-in etiquette lessons that they both had learned in their youths, but still, it rankled. You never knew your father very well, I know, Agatha continued. He passed before you could properly return to the Crown God fold. And I regret that, 
I regret many things, but I truly regret that you never got to know Pieter as the man he was. Lux lowered her teacup, sighed, and said, What do you want from me, mother? I'm never going to be the daughter that you want. You and father made sure of that, whether or not you meant to. I know, Agatha replied. I tried for so long to get you back. I tried even harder after I lost Pieter, but the Radiant would not let you go. For a moment Lux saw all the weight of her mother's years settle on her. You were too valuable, they said. Too talented to permit release. They were right, Lux said. Agatha gave a soft, derisive snort but nodded. So much like your father. You never knew him, but you really are just like him. Dutiful and loyal, practical and stubborn. Then she looked up with a soft smile that Lux had never seen in her face before. It almost made her look human. And you both love so fiercely. How would you know? Lux asked bitterly. Because I know how much you love your brother. And I know how much you must have loved me too. To hate me as much as you do. Lux set her teacup down. It had started to rattle in her fingers, and she was afraid if she kept trying to hold it, she would simply throw the damn thing over the balcony. Setting the saucer and cup down, she tipped her head back to stare up into the blue skies where thin strips of white clouds drifted lazily on the high breeze and took a deep breath. Then she looked back at her mother and said, My stone cell in the training hold of the Radiant, was two and a half meters on all sides. It was a cold, concrete box with no window, a thin mat of straw, and a pot to piss and shit in. Agatha's eyes widened. I lived in that cell for five years, Mother. Five years of constant training that any other civilized nation would have called torture. I didn't know. Agatha said softly, I swear I didn't know. Lux ignored her. When I was eleven, I was given my first mission to infiltrate a group that helped smuggle mages out of Damasia. I performed perfectly, was accepted, and when the time came I killed the guards, threw open the locks, and signaled the mage-seekers with a flare of my light. Both the group and the mages resisted, so we killed them. It wasn't a fight, it was a massacre. None of them were soldiers, they were farmers, artisans, just people who happened to be born wrong. She recalled all of her missions easily, but she recalled that first one most sharply of all. She remembered running with the mage-seekers, clearing halls as they cut down men and women alike, and feeling nothing for them but contempt. Over the course of an hour they turned the compound into an abattoir and Lux did her duty right alongside the rest of the Radiant. That wasn't what she recalled the most, though. What she recalled easiest was the time before she had betrayed them, and how they had smiled at her, and accepted her so easily when she showed them her light. They had told her they would protect her and get her out safely. Some of them complimented her hair. 
It was such a pretty shade of blonde. And she thanked them politely as she'd been taught. And then she had killed them. Throats and arteries opened with her knife. The guard she had killed with her magic, using a crystal focus she had hidden in the folds of her clothing. It had been a simple spell, a close-range flash of superheated light straight to the face, cooking their brains in their skulls. That had been her first mission, but far, far from her last. She was taught that others would trust her more easily because she was small and beautiful. All of her early missions had been like that, infiltration, sabotage, lying, and then murder and betrayal. All because everyone trusted a pretty little girl with blonde hair and blue eyes who could make light and rainbows with her hands. So yes, I do hate you, Buck said. I can barely stand looking at you every time I do. I remember the years I spent curled up in a stone box, crying for my mother who never came. She picked up her tea again and sipped at it before saying, I don't regret doing my duty, but don't ask me to be your daughter. She turned to look Agatha in the eye. I'm not your daughter. Tears tracked slowly down Agatha's cheeks, but she didn't break down. She didn't argue either. She didn't even move for a long time, and when she did it was only to take in a shuddering breath. Look, Sonny, you will always be my daughter, Agatha said. No, Lux said softly. I won't. She turned away from her mother to look back out and over high Silvermere. Agatha didn't speak again, for which Lux was grateful. She simply remained there for another hour before silently rising and leaving. Lux didn't leave. She had nothing more she needed to do and no desire to take any more risks than she already had. More damage could be done, but it would all be for nothing if she was found out in the midst of it all. If she tipped her hand too much, got too greedy, then her ultimate coup de grace would be silenced. That was why she had resolved to spend the rest of the day on that balcony, watching the day pass in silence. The last day of Damasia's peace should be savored, after all. Savored by the one person who knew how it was all going to end. Hmm. She's a little early, Darman said, watching the approaching airship. The single great tower berth of High Silvermere was the newest structure in the city. Damasia had resisted the globalization offered by Piltover's air trade until it was no longer feasible. They still resisted the hex gates. Prince Jarvan would not allow an anchor point to be placed anywhere within Demacia's borders, so the aerial berth was a grudging compromise. Demacia, for all of its isolationist policies and touted self-sufficiency, still had a desire for the finer things in life, wine and spices and trinkets and tools created in places far beyond its borders. Currently, there were four other airships docked at Silvermere's tower. One was under repairs after being caught in a storm, and the other two were set to depart at first light the next morning. Give them the lead into, um, docking pier five, Darman said, turning to Alban, who nodded and sprinted out. The young lamplighter was eager, but he was good at his job, and he knew all the right light signals to give using their hooded signal lanterns. Darman trusted him to lead the Parnius into its berth as effectively as he always did. 
If he remained, Darman suspected that Albin would have a decent future in the burgeoning aerial industry. Unlike most Damasians, Darman fancied he could see the turn of the times. Things were changing. The world was simultaneously getting a lot bigger and a lot smaller. Not long ago, High Silvermere was a fairly homogenous city. Now, though, it wasn't uncommon to see Piltovans and Ionians, and even the odd Shimmerin walking about the streets. He'd even seen a couple of Ixtali travelers not a fortnight ago, speaking in their odd, sibilant language. If even High Silvermere was opening its gates to the world, then the rest of Demacia would not be far behind. Soon he fancied even a hex gate might open, and wouldn't that be something? Sir! Albin shouted from outside, and Darman frowned. He sounded panicked. So they're not slowing! What? Darman shot up from his seat and sprinted out, climbing the stairs to Pier 5, where Albin was frantically flashing the sequence with a signal lantern. It was the right sequence. It was the right damned sequence. Why weren't they slowing? Are they blind? Darman pulled a horn from his belt, a last resort in case, for some reason, the lanterns weren't working or visibility was too low. He blew out a sharp pattern. It was the old Demacia military signal for a company halt. The Parnias did not halt. It didn't slow. In fact, it looked like it was speeding up. Protect and preserve us, Darman muttered. They're going to plow right into the berth. He turned and put the horn to his lips again to blow an evacuation warning, but before he could gather his breath, Albin cried out, Oh, gods! Distracted, Darman turned just in time to see a flash of light from the deck of the Parnias and briefly had a moment to ask himself a single, completely absurd question before he died. Who paints a shark on a rocket? The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.